0: What is up, internet? Welcome to another edition of the For the Win podcast bonus edition, Glidarm Geeks. I am Charles Curtis. Uh, with me, as always, is uh, my pal, my colleague, and our resident NFL video guru, Stephen Ruiz. How are you, Stephen?
1: Uh, I watched the Jets Browns game early this morning, so you know I'm doing pretty good. <laughs>
0: That's better than what I watched this weekend, which was the Giants game, which we will get into a lot, so I don't have to rant, rave, and cry, and I don't know, do all kinds of things here. Uh, so as, as always, we're going to get right into it. We have uh, various segments where we'll kind of touch on some of the fantasy implications and the real NFL implications of week five. So uh, we'll jump right in. As I just said, we're going to talk about the Giants. So uh, a, a question close to my heart, what the heck do the Giants do moving forward? That's the first question in our, our uh, packet of four.
1: So I think the first thing they have to do is figure out what to do with Eli Manning, and I mean, all signs point to them moving on from him after this year. I don't think they're going to find an, an adequate replacement very soon, but you, you have to start to rebuild, and that's not going to happen until you get
0: get rid of his contract. Well... I mean, that's the first thing, uh, and, and that's probably the most important thing, right, is the quarterback question, and I think, you know, last year they they, they draft a quarterback kind of relatively late, and it, seeing, uh, you know, uh, the guy as, as, as a, uh, a future uh, prospect, not necessarily somebody who can take over this year and Davis Webb out of Cal, but I, the, the question for me more is what do you do with all these sort of veteran guys? and the offensive line, because that's really the, the problem. On the defensive side of the ball, you've got some older vets who I think they've all kind of taken a step back this year. It's it's not the same defense as it was last year, and as uh, I, wrote, I read a really great article by ESPN's um, Bill Barnwell, who was talking about just what the Giants did, answering this very question, and one of the things he pointed out was that the defense last year was super-duper healthy, and this year, less so. Um, I'm going to get rid of probably a few of those guys, but I'm not going to totally clean house the, the big question I think I agree with you is what you do with Eli Manning. And, and the answer is if they really do end up with a really horrendous record this year, which they probably won't, I think they can still bounce back enough from 0-5 to to be relatively good not as bad as some other teams in the NFL. So I think, uh, yeah, the the question is do you give Eli one more year? Do you draft a guy? I would draft a guy next year if there's a first-round pick that, that's out there and they have a high enough pick. I think you have
1: to. I'm not really a fan of Davis-led. He might develop into something eventually, but you can't bank on that. And I just think they took the wrong approach in building this team up last off-season when they used all their cap space on fixing the defense. The problem with doing that is defenses outside of Seattle and Denver, it's hard to keep to stay consistently good year to year. And you're you're seeing that with the Giants. They were like a top-five defense last year, and this year they haven't. Even been league average.
0: Yeah, it's so sad that we're talking about this. <laughs> they should have hired your boy Wade Phillips, is what they should have done.
1: Yeah, I agree. But you yeah. can't you can't move on from Spagnola after what he did last year.
0: It's true. No, I, and I also think uh, when you say you talk about that in the draft, you look up and you say Jerry Reese. And Jerry not drafted that well, and he hasn't made all the right moves. I think he, he's done after this year for sure. I don't think you move on from Ben McAdoo, even though I'm not so sure about him as a head coach. Um, but the Giants have tended to clean house at certain points completely and start all over again. I think they're not quite there yet. So I'm kind of going with, like, get rid of the general manager, kind of start all over again with somebody who can draft better and, and move on from there.
1: Yeah, I think the Giants made a bit of a mistake by... By... uh. You know, taking Ben McAdoo, who was a good offensive coordinator, and just assuming that that skill set would translate to being a head coach, which isn't always the case. You know, you have more responsibility. So maybe McAdoo hasn't been able to just focus on uh, fixing the offense and, you know, modernizing it as defenses adjust.
0: Well... I'm too late for that now because they have no wide receivers to catch true. the ball anymore. So it, it's probably all over for the Giants. And I think this year now you kind of tinker and see what, what you have for next year. Uh, let's move on. Number two. This is a, a similar question. Uh, same, uh, same conference. Who is the NFC's best team right now? And I'll let you lead off with this.
1: See, I already know what you're going to say to this. But I'm going with the... Wait, let me, let me rethink that. No, I'm going to go with the Packers. I was going to say the Panthers. Okay, I was going to say the Panthers, but no. I, of course. Then I just remember the Packers existed, and I think they're the best team right now, and they're not even healthy yet. So they're just going to continue to get better. I mean, the defense is a problem, but I think it's a solvable problem. And then they have number twelve on their team, who is a wizard, as he proved late in yesterday's game.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, I had that written down. I said the Packers and it's Aaron Rodgers, and that's really all you need to know. And you talk about the health of that team. I mean, you, Jordy Nelson's now dinged up, making three of my fantasy teams uh, very nervous. Um, but you also have guys who can step in at all times. Aaron Aaron Jones comes in mm-hmm. uh, for Ty Montgomery and just you know lit it up as expected. Um, the thing about that team is they're deep uh, on offense, and that is something that can carry you a long, long way in today's injury-prone NFL. Um, and, you know, Devontae Adams coming back from a horrifically bad hit. They just keep coming, and they don't stop. And uh, I'm, I'm impressed by them. I am also impressed by what the Panthers have done since we talked about them a couple of weeks ago. They're your team, I know. But Cam Newton finally looks like better, you know, that he's sort of settled in more. His uh, completion percentage has gone up every week since week one. Um, and I'm not a believer in the Seahawks right now, um, yet. I think there's too many problems there. So it's... Packers by default. We should talk about at some point the Eagles, who are a 4 and 1 team and in a tough division. I think they actually might have a shot at a wild card spot or that division.
1: Yeah, I don't know if they're quite ready to to overtake the Cowboys. Cause I'm still really high on the Cowboys. They've just had a couple of tough losses of late. But yeah, that Eagles team looks good. They can all of a sudden run the ball. McGarrett Blunt is running it as well as anyone expected him to. And the defense is just been lights out throughout the season the one concern is we saw this early last year and in the second half they kind of nosedived on both sides of the ball carson Uh, carson wentz is still a bit of a question mark for me he still misses too many routine throws and he puts the ball in dangerous spots but he's definitely better than what he was late last year
0: and that was going to be my point, that Carson Wentz is not the Carson Wentz of last year. He's the year two quarterback who's taken a, a good step forward for me. And you're right, there are a lot of throws that, that aren't that good, but I am really impressed with, with what he's done. And, and again, I've, I've talked everyone's year off about Zach Ertz enough, but man, the two of them together, it's it's magic. Um, one thing with the Cowboys, by the way, who has given up the most points in the division this year? In, in the conference, I should say the Dallas Cowboys. They've given 132 points. like That, to me, is a huge problem. So I don't think they're done, but I certainly think that, that it's worth noting that that defense is a bit of an alarming problem.
1: you got to think of the schedule, though. They've played Aaron Rodgers. they played the Rams, who are leading the league and scoring before going up against the Seahawks. I think they can be a league average defense, and that's all they really need to be once this offense really starts to click. I think Ezekiel Elliott still has another gear in him. I think you're starting to see Des Bryant come on a little bit. And I think Dak is... I think he's been good the whole season, but he has room to get better.
0: Yeah, he's. it's funny. With Dak, I've been such a naysayer that seeing what he's done so far, I've been like, okay, he's a little bit better than I expected. And I'm willing to admit that. Uh, Let's move on. Speaking of quarterbacks, our third of our fourth downs, is Big Ben Roethlisberger done? And I'll start off with this. And my answer is, yeah, the Big Ben that we expected him to be um, all these years is—it's over. It, you know, the guy is 35. He's you know a quarterback in a linebacker's body who's taken an absurd amount of punishment. And you know, years in the last few years, he hasn't played 16 games every year. Um, it's just all coming to to a head for him because he's older. He's a bigger guy. Um, and his completion percentage is the lowest it's been since uh I want to say oh yeah so it's 61.5% right now lowest since 2010 and that tells me that the guy's just slowing down and that's okay he's given the Pittsburgh Steelers everything over the years and and but we I want to say that like the the guy who could pull out miracles that guy's done and maybe he's you know got to make some adjustments and you know his quotes this week kind of said as much
1: yeah that was odd to hear him say that I couldn't tell if he was joking or, kind or of, you know, questioning him himself publicly. But yeah, I agree with you. He's he's not done in that. He's like a total liability. He's just not the asset he once was, which I wrote yesterday. He's not. You can't rely on him week to week to, you know, pull out a brilliant performance. You you'll get one like every couple of games, and then you'll get a game like you saw on Sunday where he throws the team out of the game. And then one question I have. Is Has he underachieved these last few years with that supporting cast? He's only had the one season where he really exploded statistically. He had a 103.3 quarterback rating. He threw 32 touchdowns, but that he's only thrown more than 30 touchdowns
0: twice in his career. So you think he's underachieved or overachieved that one I think year? he's underachieved
1: given his supporting mm. cast. Like He should have been better, but he just never wasn't as good as we all expected him to be.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of wonder about him if, if, if that, going forward, if we're going to see maybe Big Ben the, the game manager, you know, or just put the ball in Antonio Brown's hands, which is what he's doing anyway, and kind of let things happen rather than kind of forcing downfield. I, I don't know. Where did you rank him this year in, in terms of, or this past week, in terms of your QB power rankings?
1: Uh, last week I think I had him at sixth. He's going to drop considerably. But the only reason he was so high was just because we've had a couple guys injured like Cam was injured to start the year, Russell Wilson wasn't right over the first couple of games and then Andrew Luck was hurt. So that second tier of quarterback of quarterbacks wasn't really, you know, all there, so he was kind of just in that tier by default. He hasn't played well all season and then Sunday happens and he hit rock bottom and you know, it wasn't that much of a surprise. I mean, this kind of game has been coming.
0: Yeah, uh, well, hopefully we'll see something better. I mean, Steelers fans who have been expecting them to be in the FC Championship game are now kind of biting their nails nervously. Last question, uh, and this is one that you brought up uh, this morning while, you know, watching that awesome Jets-Browns game. Was that game the best game of the slate this this weekend? If you love terrible football, then yes. <laughs> I, I, I love that answer. It
1: was just... The Browns are the better team, by the way. Like, I don't think... I don't know... No one watched that game besides Jets and Browns fans, so I don't think anyone realizes. They see the Jets won again, they're 3-2, and two, and they're thinking, oh, look at the Jets. No, the Jets were horrible in this game. The only reason they won is because the Browns had the ball within the Jets' five-yard line three times and came away with zero points, and then they missed two makeable field goals. So that's just assume they get field goals on all those drives. That's 15 points right there, and the, the Jets only won by three points against the worst team in the league. The Jets are still oh. a bad team. Let's just get that clear. And my favorite play from the game was the Jets. They're kneeling down, running out the clock, and, and a and a teammate steps on Josh McCown's foot, and he kind of like has to like <laughs> limp away. That's just a perfect metaphor for that game as a whole.
0: Yeah, you guys should. If you're listening, you should definitely go out and, and check out uh, Stephen's uh, top ten most what was it depressing plays from Saddest from that, plays. that game. Yeah, that that is uh, hilarity. Uh, you know, bad football is best. Although I gotta say, NFL football this year in general has just been atrocious to watch. And I, I thought that while flipping back and forth between the Jets and Giants games uh, as, as a New Yorker. Uh, yeah, Kevin Hogan. Making an appearance in that game, I I wonder what the heck they're thinking about with Deshaun Kaiser um, going forward. This this game though stars two of my my big fantasy things this week is number one that Duke Johnson is seriously a top twenty running back this year only because he's not really a running back; he's basically uh, a, a third or fourth wide receiver, maybe even first wide receiver on that team. Given that they have no not a lot of talent at, at wideout besides the great Ricardo Lewis or Rashard Higgins. I mean, uh, uh, Hollywood Duke, Higgins. Yeah, exactly. He's he's he showed up uh, a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, Duke is is a guy I would I'd be trading for if you could, even though his value is sky high. Um, and he's getting he's getting, getting more and
1: more carries
0: in the last few weeks. I've noticed.
1: So they uh,
0: like more carries. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So the stock
0: is rising. Yeah. Well, it's probably too high now, given the fact that running back is a stinky cesspool of badness. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins is a guy that I was so high on before the season because I was like, all right, he gets off the suspension. The Jets have nobody to catch the ball. They got a quarterback who will probably check down great, and he's starting to do it. So, you know, six catches, 29 yards, not great. But he caught a touchdown, and his stock's rising. Um, And uh, there are some spots at tight end where I'm starting to wonder, like Kyle Rudolph, for example, is a guy that I invested heavily in. And and, uh, we'll see tonight. We're taping this on a Monday before the the Vikings game. That's a guy I might be replacing tonight if he doesn't uh, do that well.
1: And after the game, believe it or not, there are Josh McCown fans out there on Twitter. And I, really, I had some disparaging things to say about Josh McCown about a month ago, and I got. <laughs> that's when I learned that there were Josh McCown fans. And after the game, they they were on my case.
0: So, no way. Yeah,
1: this is before I watched the game, so I was like, "Oh man, McCown must have really played well." I watched the game, and no, he did not. Their bar is so low for for uh, going after McCown haters that you know. He, he didn't even throw the ball more than like 10 yards downfield all game. It
0: was all oh, it was
1: all checkdowns. Yeah, they don't trust him at all.
0: And they shouldn't. But the, this is the thing with Jets fans that I find so funny is that they're going to go and defend Josh McCown when they should be like Larry David was last week. And Larry David's like, no, no, this is awful. Like, stop winning. That's That should be their attitude. No,
1: here's the thing. They're not even Jets fans. They're Josh McCown fans. Well,
0: that's a thing?
1: Yeah, I was, <laughs> I'm as surprised as you are. They're like... They're like it's those brilliant. NBA fans that like just like whatever team LeBron's on. They're like that, but for but for Josh McCown.
0: It's, it's, a, it's a weird internet subculture. That's <laughs> They're Josh McCown's relatives. That's there are crazy. dozens of them. All right, let's go on to our next segment we call Unpopular Opinions, where we share with you one thing that we think uh, that not everybody agrees with or should think. And I'll, I'll let Steven take the reins on his first one because I love this one.
1: Okay, let me... Let me preface this by saying that I have not yet watched the Sunday night game between the Chiefs and the Texans, but my unpopular opinion is that Alex Smith is still Alex Smith. And by that, I mean, he's he hasn't been any more aggressive than he has been in past years, which is kind of like the take people have gone with since he's like performing at an MVP level. You know, whenever a quarterback breaks out, we always try to figure out why they're breaking out, and we try to point to some evolution in their game and usually it's just the players around them are better which i think is what's happening with smith and another recent example is andy dalton a couple years ago when he was an mvp candidate because he had a top five offensive line he had joe bernard and jeremy hill he had muhammad sanu aj green and uh marvin jones you know the the players around him played better not him he was still the same quarterback and that's the same thing that's happening with alex smith and I have some numbers to back that up. He's only six quarterbacks are attempting shorter passes this year. His average pass length is 7.2 yards, which ranks, I think, 26. And then Football Outsiders has this metric that they named after him. It's called Alex. And it measures the average difference between how far a quarterback threw a pass in the air and how many yards they needed for a first down. So if it's 3rd and 10 and he passes it 1-yard downfield, then your Alex for that play is a negative 9. So going into the Texans game, he ranked dead last with minus 4.7 yards, fewer than he needed to get a first down. Number uh, 31 in that metric was at negative 2.2, so he's leading by uh, 2.5 yards. The record, huh. since they've been measuring this stat, is minus 3.4, and he's at minus 4.7. So, and he's the one that set the record in 2015. Last year, he actually finished with a positive Alex's 0. .4. So he's actually <laughs> way less aggressive than he was last year, at least on third down. I think this, they just measure it on third down. So that's yeah, my take. That's
0: incredible. Yeah, that's a good take, too, because I kind of agreed with it, and I did watch half the game last night uh, uh, between the Chiefs and the, and the Texans, which was super-duper entertaining. Um, I didn't get to watch the second half. I DVR'd it. But my thought watching it was watching Alex Smith a lot, and, and the broadcast talked about it multiple times, how Alex Smith has changed, he's thrown downfield more, and they showed some metrics, backing it up. Obviously, you just you know got, got rid of those quickly. Uh, to me, it's, it's just... Two things. Number one, Andy Reid has designed some amazing plays for that team. There was one last night where the linemen all stood up and pointed, but they froze. It was amazing to watch that they all froze and pointed as if they were in mid, you know, uh, pointing out who the, the linebackers and the and the scheme was. And then they they snapped the ball and it was a I think it was a quick pitch to Kareem Hunt. I'm I'm not sure, um, but it was a, a funky little play. And so Andy Reid is just doing some some wild, crazy things and and using Smith's. Uh, mobility and also his his ability just to get the, you know, his accuracy, to get the ball into the, the playmaker's hands. And that's one thing. And the other thing is what you said. It's the talents around him. I mean, Tyreek Hill has great hands. He's got amazing speed. You just put the balls in, in his hands and let him do his thing. Um, Kareem Hunt, obviously, great between the tackles. Uh, running back also can catch out of the backfield. And, uh, and Travis Kelsey, there were a lot of plays last night where Smith would have a lot of time, thanks to his offensive line, and he'd start darting to the right. And, and, you know, Kelsey would be, you know, coming toward the sideline, and he, he'd hit him in stride while Alex Smith was on the run. And to me, that's, like, classic Alex Smith. Just, you know, get him moving. And, you know, he, he's he's good. He's got a good enough arm that he can hit a guy like Kelsey on the run any time. So, yeah, totally agree with that take. I, I am loving the Alex Smith for MVP, though, sort of candidacy. It's been 13 years in the making.
1: Yeah, so I think the thing with him throwing uh, downfield more, he— He has been completing more passes downfield, I think, is the thing. He's gotten better at completing those passes. I don't think he's making more of them, necessarily. But I I don't know if that's sustainable. It's a small sample size, and those uh, player stats on deep ball throws, you you know, they're not consistent year-to-year. So we can't just bank on him continuing to hit those passes all season. And one more stat, he also, uh, his receivers lead the league in, yards after catch, which isn't really surprising given that he's throwing a Tyree Hill and Kareem Hunt, and then Travis Kelsey is like the only tight end in the league that's actually a threat after he catches the ball.
0: It's true. Yeah, that's, and that's the that's your indicator right there, that, it, that it, you just put the ball in somebody's hands and let them do the work for you, and that's how you accumulate all the stats. So good take. I don't think it's that unpopular, but I I, I think we're bursting like a mainstream sort of NFL argument here, or you are, I should say. Yeah, that's
1: I don't I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I mean I guess I am. I just don't think he's MVP. He's he's playing his role perfectly. And that's what Andy Reid wants.
0: Yeah, and that's all you can ask for, and frankly, it's it may carry them all the way to, to uh you know, uh to face the Patriots in, in uh January. Yeah, maybe. All right. My unpopular opinion is fantasy related, not a shock to anybody. Speaking of Kareem Hunt, he's a guy I'd trade right now. Yeah, that's right. I would trade Kareem Honk. and I would think about trading Leonard Fournette, too. And here's my problem, is they're both rookies. And we know about the, the, you know, I don't know if it's been proven, but the rookie wall is always in play. But my bigger concern is these two teams are running the two rooks into the ground. Fournette leads the league in touches per week with 21.8. He had 28 this past weekend, and um, one play in which he invited a Steelers player to hit him as hard as he could, and, you know, that resulted in quite a collision. Um, and that alarms me. Um, and then you got Hunt who has 97 carries, but also 16 receptions. And it's just, you know, as somebody who predicted that Kareem Hunt would have a huge year and somebody who owns him a bunch of leagues, I keep watching with sort of my hand over my eye, realizing that running backs, they're just, you know, running into the ground. And, uh, for a team like the you know the the Chiefs are a little more balanced, but a team like the the Jaguars, where they're trying to hide well, portals as best as possible, eventually Fournette's going to run out of gas or be seriously injured, especially given the way he runs. So I'm going to start you know sort of poking around the market to see what I could get for those two. Um, we all know wide receivers are more productive and, and more consistent these days in, in today's NFL. So that's my unpopular opinion, and uh, I don't know if I'll follow through on it in real life.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with Fournette. Um, I see where you're going with Hunt. I'm just more confident in the Chiefs continuing to get him the ball in creative ways. The Jaguars are just afraid of letting Blake Bortles throw the ball late in the game. Last or yesterday, when I think they were leading by 14 at this point in the fourth quarter, they ran like 12 straight times. It was like third and 12, and they still ran the ball. They they just didn't want Bortles throwing the game away, and I think that's gonna you know, wear on Fournette, who's not used to playing 16 games, and the Jaguars' offensive line isn't all that great at run blocking. It's definitely better than it was before, but he's he's not really like ripping off consistent games. Like he's been like a three yards in a cloud of dust type runner, and then he broke off a big run yesterday, which boosts
0: his average. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting to kind of uh, look at that because uh, I look at his running style and I think like, yeah, like, is this really what we're supposed to think that he's going to do this game to game to game to game? Probably for the first eight. And then, you know, what happens? He'll take a dive. The question I have for you is, I don't know if you could answer this, but who would you trade for net four right now? Is there a particular player that you might say to yourself, uh, you know, that, like a wide receiver or somebody else or a package that you might think about if you're a fantasy owner? I would try I'll, give you, I'll to get, give you one. Sorry, I'll, I'll let you answer first, then I'll give you my, my take.
1: I would do anything I could to get Travis Kelsey right now. Mm. I just think the tight end position is where you can get you know, it's worth the premium of getting like a premier player. Just because the gaps between like the Gronks and the Kelseys and then like your like eighth place your eighth ranked tight end is like bigger than what you'll find with like receivers. I may be wrong, but that's that's the strategy I use when I uh, when I draft.
0: Yeah, that that one of my buddies in in, in one of my very intense leagues, it, every single year has taken Gronk because he sees the disparity. You know, the advantage of taking a guy at that position, you know, always gives you an advantage every week. Of course, you know Gronk's health notwithstanding. Um, I was going to say Fournette for for DeAndre Hopkins would be a trade I would make right now, and I think actually a Hopkins owner would do it if they were desperate for running back because. Hopkins is going to continue to get all the attention uh, in Houston, even though Will Fuller is back and, and looking pretty pretty good, as he did last night. He scored twice. Uh, but Hopkins is a number one guy with a solid quarterback who's looking his way all the time. I think, you know, I'd rather have that than maybe, you know, a four net potentially off a cliff kind of uh, thing. So that's one trade I'd make. I do like the idea of Kelsey there because Kelsey is, is extremely valuable. And, and uh, you know, Gronk obviously is. We'll see about Gronk's health, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that's an even trade given how, how high Fournette is and how bad running back is this year, but maybe Kelsey and a wide receiver kind of package Yeah, you've got to
1: throw in another player. And the one thing about yeah. Kelsey compared to other tight ends is he's getting plays designed for him to touch the ball. Like, it's not like a quarterback has to go through his progressions. Like, those shovel passes are designed for him to get the ball. So he has at least yeah. four guaranteed touches every
0: game. And he's got that the ability, which he did like seven times last night, uh, to leap over defenders with with ease. Um, let's go on to our next segment. We do uh, we're going to do one this week. We're going to shorten your, your your listening time here, folks. One would you rather so would you rather be the Jets or the Giants right now?
1: I am picking the Giants, and I think I think the season is going to end hilariously for the, the New York teams because the Jets came into the season like, all right, we're not winning any games, and we're going to get that franchise quarterback. We've been looking for and then it's just going to be the giants getting a higher draft pick getting the better quarterback after <laughs> years of Eli Manning. I mean that's the worst if you're a Jets fan.
0: Yeah. It's the Jetsiest thing that can happen. Um I'm going to take the Jets here actually um funny enough because I think the Giants have a lot more to figure out right now and they're sort of in that they're sort of heading toward that middle part of the NFL eventually and maybe next year where they're not as bad as they are this year, not as good as they were last year. And the middle is death. And they're going to have to figure out what to do with Eli Manning. And they're going to have to figure out what do you do with the offensive line. There's so many questions. And the Jets, to me, are just a question of, okay, we have all this cap room next year. We've got $64 million as opposed to the Giants who have 30 And what can we spend it on and how can we kind of retinker and build it a little bit around the, the all those first-round picks on the, the defensive side of the ball? And can we get that quarterback, of course, it might be stymied from them winning, which I, again we we do a thing on for the win called uh, "Is it worse than the butt fumble?" Uh, where we try to figure out what what's going on with the Jets and if it's worse or, or better than than the great uh, Mark Sanchez butt fumble. Uh, but to that, to me, winning was worse than the butt fumble.
1: Yeah, this season is hasn't been good for the Jets. I mean, they're three and two, but it's a fluke a fluky three and two. They're they're not a three and two team, so they're getting like the worst of both worlds they're t- ruining their draft position and they're not actually this isn't like real tangible improvement because the quarterback's Josh McCown I mean he's not in your future plans and these wins aren't you know they're not sustainable you're not going to have a team turn the ball over three times in the red zone and miss two field goals and be able to win by three points
0: uh, yeah, and I, I think the the Jets are poised to win uh, nothing the rest of the season. Like they could lose. I was always I looked their schedule before the season because you and I both thought they were going to go winless. And I pointed to three games that they could potentially win, and I think they won all of them. Right? It was the Jags, the Bill, one of the Bills games, and uh, and the Browns game. And now you know their schedule gets a lot harder. So maybe they will still flounder.
1: Yeah, I think that's going to happen. I think I would not be surprised if they go three and twelve or, or three and thirteen or four and twelve.
0: Yeah. And that'd be okay. They should. They should be winless. Anyway, last segment, we call it start bench cut. It's named after that f- game that you played in college, except uh, less uh, creepy. Uh, where we pick three players and we decide which one we start bench or cut. Of course, we don't actually want to start bench or cut any of these, but we have to make a choice. So, well, you had one for this. Go for it.
1: So it's Deshaun Watson. Jameis Winston, and Alex Smith. You want to start off?
0: Sure. This is a really tough one for me. Uh, I, I went over this a few times, and I finally came up with my answer, which is I'm going to start Deshaun Watson, which seems absurd right now, but, man, he he just looks so comfortable and so good. We did talk about his happy feet last week, but the comfort level he has in that offense already and sort of some of the throws that I'm seeing, especially under center, which he barely you know did in college, The guy is impressive. The upside is there. Uh, I'm I'm sort of pushing some of my chips into into all in with him. Um, I'm going to bench Alex Smith uh, for all the reasons that we just talked about. The guy is still a good, solid quarterback in the NFL. Maybe not MVP level, as we discussed, but, you know, I think right now for what the Kansas City Chiefs are doing, he's perfect for that. And then I'm going to cut, and if I had to make this choice, James Winston – I just am not impressed with what I saw against the Pats. Again, it was the Pats. Um, he could have been much, much better. Um, I still need to see better stuff out of him. I was a big Jameis believer going into this year. I still think it's there, but he's still – it's just like he keeps infuriating me with not quite getting to where he's supposed to be.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. He he He's underachieved, underachieved a bit, and he, he keeps missing these throws that he has to make. But you have to remember, he's only 23 years old. I mean, we're not thinking about that from a fantasy perspective, but from like a real life perspective, these growing pains are going to be there for at least a couple more years, but I will, I'm going to start Alex Smith, even though I kind of, you know, you know, tempered uh, the hype train for him, Uh, I'm going to start him, because that offense is not going anywhere, Uh, Andy Reid is going to continue to design smart plays and take advantage of defenses, and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Kareem Hunt are going to continue to produce, so I'm going to keep him in my lineup. And I need to ask you this. You're in, uh, like, five leagues. I'm in two. In both my leagues, Alex Smith is still available, which is kind of weird because he's he's been a top three fantasy quarterback this year, I think. Is that the same in your leagues? I mean...
0: Yeah, it's a, but it's, it's absurd that, that he's still available because it, at least in the leagues that I'm in, he's been picked up as a backup at the very least a few weeks ago. Um, so that is kind of weird. Um, Deshaun Watson was available until last week, and that I kicked myself for that that one um, because there are a couple of weeks where I, I had um, Kirk Cousins on the bye, and I was like, oh great, I'll get Deshaun Watson, and I didn't. And I was like, come on, like you know, gotta think, gotta think better than that. I did start Carson Palmer this week. That was that was nice, but yeah, weird that Alex Smith would be available.
1: Alright, yeah, so I'm gonna continue. Uh, I'm gonna bench Jameis Winston and I'm gonna cut Watson. Because I'm still, I mean, he's thrown what? Uh, He scored 10 touchdowns the last two weeks. I'm just not convinced yet. I I think a lot of those touchdowns, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of his scoring came in garbage time last night. And a lot of them came on, you know, 50 50 balls where he just kind of he just threw it deep and his receivers made a play. I don't know if that's going to continue to happen, although he does have receivers capable of doing that every week in Fuller and Hopkins. I just think defenses are going to figure out what the Texans are doing to make him comfortable, and they're going to take that away. And we're going to see. I think he might be good for the next couple of weeks, but I think in the second half and into the fantasy playoffs, he's not going to be reliable, which is a reason why I'd probably cut him.
0: Um, yeah, I, I, that, that's the thing, though, with fantasies. Like, I'm not I'm not so sure I trust him from a fantasy point of view every week. But certain matchups, yeah.
1: Yeah, you can't trust a, a, court, a rookie quarterback to produce every week. And then with Jameis, I think the more he plays with uh, Deshaun Jackson, the more those two will get on the same page. They, they've missed a couple deep balls where Jackson has had a step. I think that's just a timing issue right now. I mean, Jameis isn't the most accurate quarterback, but he usually hits on those deep balls. And then well, we will see, yeah. And then he still has Mike Evans, so I think he'll get better as the season goes on, which is usually what he
0: does. I like it. Uh, all right, we're going to finish up as we always do by naming our top five teams, uh, and we will uh, see you all next week. So first, uh, I'll, I'll lead off with just my, my quick top five teams, sort of little quick power rankings. Number one, Chiefs still looking really impressive, looking uh, you know unbeaten. Can't sort of beat that. Number two, the Patriots, even though they you know, beat a, a team that lost uh, by uh, missing three field goals. That's a little alarming, but they're still there. They're still winning. Uh, number three, the Packers. Talked about them. Best team in the NFC. Number four, your Panthers. They made it all the way to number four in my rankings here. I'm impressed. And number five, I'm sticking with the Broncos. I think they are legitimately a team that is dangerous every week because of that defense. And Simeon, again, still you know, doing great things. They're on the bye this week. Um, but no Seahawks in there yet. That's why sort of like number six or seven team, I'm just not sure they're there yet or they may ever be there.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree with those rankings, I, but I have the Packers first. I think they're one tough game away from being undefeated where they lost Jordy Nelson in the middle of the game. I think they lost Cobb late, and they played without their two starting tackles. In Atlanta, in the first game in that new stadium, That you know that was... That was a schedule loss, there, and they've impressed me over the last few weeks. And then I'm gonna go with the Chiefs second because they've looked like the best team in the league. I just I just trust the Packers a little more going forward. I'll go with the Patriots third. I don't I'm not sure about that defense still. I know they held Tampa to what was it 14 points, but they missed a bunch of field goals, and Jameis just missed on a couple of big plays. I had the Panthers fourth like you I was really impressed with the offense yesterday I thought they they took their foot off the gas a little too early once they went up 17 they kind of just stopped letting Cam sling the ball downfield which is how they got that lead in the first place and they let the lines back into that game and then fifth I'm going with the Seahawks just because this is what they do every year they they look unconvincing the first couple of weeks the first two months and then by December, they're they're that team that nobody wants to play in the playoffs, and I think that's going to happen this year. I think their defense is is going to be, it might be better than it was a year ago, especially if Earl Thomas stays healthy, and then Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. He's going, their offense is going to get better. He he's always better in the second half.
0: Gutsy, very gutsy with that offensive line. But you, you're probably right that they will end up being that that team in in the playoffs that just you know nobody wants to play because they're hungry and their defense is going to you know. Clamp down so totally understand that thank you guys all so much for listening for joining us and uh, we'll see you next week